Hi, welcome to This Is Your Book Club podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jamie. Good to be back. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm good. It's a good day to talk about books. It is. I'm actually very ready. I, I have things I need to say. Fantastic, let's do it. But first, Jamie, do you have a fun fact? I do. Yes. So Richard Powers is super fun to read about because I think he's very unique in his field okay. as far as authorship goes. And I love finding out how an author starts their writing career. Like, when did they know they wanted to be a writer? Have they always loved writing? What turned them on to writing? And I know I talked in his original um, biography that he was, was really into all the sciences and didn't want to have to choose one science. And so he decided... He also liked writing. He could go down that field and learn about all the sciences and write about it. Yes. But when an interviewer, this is from the parisreview.org, the interviewer asks, when did you begin your writing career? This story is like so vivid and there's so much feeling in it. I thought it was very interesting. He says, in the early 80s, I was living in the Fen. Fens in Boston, right behind the Museum of Fine Arts. If you got there before noon on Saturdays, you could get into the museum for nothing. One weekend, they were having this exhibition of a German photographer I'd never heard of, who was August Sander. It was the first American retrospective of his work. I have a visceral memory of coming in the doorway, banking to the left, turning up and seeing the first picture there. It was called Young Westerwold Farmers on their way to a dance, 1914. I had this palpable sense of recognition, this feeling that I was walking into their gaze and they'd been waiting 70 years for someone to return the gaze. I oh love like the visual of him getting so pulled in to a painting. Yeah. Oh, the, a photograph. I went up to the photograph and read the caption and had this instant realization that not only were they not on the way to the dance, but that somehow I had been reading about this moment for the last year and a half. Everything I read seemed to converge onto this act of looking, this birth of the 20th century, the age of total war, the age of the, apotheo the apotheosis of the machine, the age of mechanical reproduction. That was a Saturday. On Monday, I went into my job and gave two weeks notice and started working on Three Farmers, which was one wow. of his first books. That he could do that. Like, yeah. I think anyone would want to do that, but that it worked. Right. And it worked out and for him. And he didn't. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Just, Good for him. I'm going to quit because I saw this painting and it just all converged and came together. And I needed to write this story about that gaze and those. Yeah. They weren't going to a dance. Here, let me tell you what they were doing. I'd love to then oh, read this book and then look at that I picture. Know. Wouldn't that be so interesting to be like, oh, huh. This is what they were really doing. And Seriously. I, I wonder what the, not the painting, the photograph, the artist would have thought of that. Like, for oh, really, sure. you tell me what. But that just shows art affects us all in such a different way. Oh, totally. And literature affects us all in such a different way. The yes, power definitely. of words, the power definitely. of art. Yeah. So crazy. Very cool how we get to interpret it our own way. Anyway. Very cool. Interesting author. I'm very interesting doing the fun facts about him. I know. He, he's just very unique. I keep trying to match him 
to like what we've read about the book, like what I know of the book yeah. from the synopsis. And it just feels like, wow, like this feels, it, I would not have matched yeah. them. I would I say agree. that. Anyway. Crazy. Very cool. Very crazy. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool sounding guy. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. I like learning about our books that we're going to read. Yes. And and the background bonus. on the authors, I think it just adds a richness to the book. Sometimes hearing their point of view and their... For sure. Yeah. It's experience like a, with writing. It's like the extra flavoring. Mm-hmm. It's like getting a, pink, a peek at the roots of a tree. Ooh, like, yeah. We enjoy the beauty of the tree all the time. Yeah. But this is what lies beneath and holds it up and where it began and how it got there. That's, That's cool. deep. No, literally. Literally. <laughs> literally the roots <laughs> run deep. <laughs> We're so funny. Right. I love it. So. But today, that's what's on your shelf. Some good books. I hope so. All right. Am I going to start today? Sure. Okay. I'm going to start with The One by John Mars. This. The one. I'm trying to think. I think I found a list of like 10 or 15. This is from BookBub, I'm sure. Like must read thrillers, I think okay. is what it, where I got this one. Like of all time? Uh, maybe recently. I don't okay. know. I think, I think they were more recent. This came out in 2018. Okay. So it's a, it's. That's still fairly I want to say 2018 is fairly recent, but we're getting on yeah. in years. I feel like four it's years ago. Very early 2022. That's yeah. like three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. That's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, I, again, the one by John Mars, I gave it four stars. I highly recommend it. It was a really good, unique thriller. So the premise of this is there's a scientist and her life's work has been, she has found the gene that can match you to your perfect person. Okay. But there's a gene. So there's all these dating websites that take characteristics and can match us by our characteristics and who's going to be a good match for you. But this is your one. This gene is, and there's different ways you respond when you see this other person. But a lot of times it's like instant connection, love at first sight, like, no one's ever really experienced before because this is your one. Okay. Wow. So this is taking over the world, like it worldwide, the, this, everyone is finding out their one. And sometimes they live in your same town, but sometimes they live on the other side of the world. Sometimes they're your same age, but sometimes they're like 10 or 20 years older okay. or younger. Like there's all these things they have to. So obviously if they're too young, you can't do it because- we don't want to promote pedophilia or anything inappropriate. They have to be sure. a certain age to be given their match. Okay. Uh, also, there's some. So is it possible to put your DNA in and not get a match? Yes. So some people do. It's like a cheek swab. They do their swab and they never get notified. That means their perfect match hasn't done their cheek swab or they're not available in the system either because of age disability like they they take into account um mental capacity are they someone we don't want to take advantage of 
I just see a lot of sadness in there's this whole situation. There's a lot of issues. So then there's... Like, if you don't get a match, do you have to live alone? So, well, and then there's... So on, if you don't get a match... And then you just doubt you the meet, love you have with yes, whoever. Yes, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And if you don't get a match, and so you meet someone, and it's almost like that second best or kind of looked down on. It's not your... Perfect gene match. match. So it's never going to be as good as a relationship as what I have because mine's the DNA match. Ew. So there it does. It becomes like you get caught up in this. Or what if the person like dies? Yeah. And then you can never be a, exactly. in love again. So you're, you're onto all of it. So this book follows like maybe five different couples and their pairings and their situations. So they don't interact with each other. They're just completely different couples and maybe it's four four or five i don't remember exactly but each one has a very unique situation in their pairing and there is like um there is like a thriller aspect to it like i i don't i don't want to give anything away all these different things like what if you are married do you get your cheap squabbed and find out that you're actually paired with someone else over there one of the couples would you get divorced engaged and the girl is like, just let's do it just to make sure I know you're the one. And he's like, no, I'm, ha- I love you. You're the love of my life. I'm happy with you. I don't need to do this. I let's not chance this. I just want to be with you. And she keeps pushing and pushing so that he ends up doing his and he gets paired. It goes down a lot of different ones. One, there's a serial killer in there because obviously if you've been convicted of something, you can't be. You know, you have to pass a background check to go into the system. But if you've never been caught, then the system won't throw you out. So that one of the pairs, there's a serial killer. Um, Just there's. Oh, my gosh. There is a little bit of everything. And it is it like there are parts of it that I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. But yet it brings up so many Good conversations like and questions. Ethics. This would be a, exactly this would be a really fun book club discussion because I think you could discuss a lot. Ethics is you know like what are this and Morals. that. And there's I don't so know. much. It was so interesting. Love? Wow, such a unique book. I've never read anything like it. And you liked it. I did. I gave it four stars. Okay, the one by John Mars. Okay. I'm going to check out that one. Tell me what you think when you do. Whew. Okay. The first book I'm going to talk about is A Flicker in the Dark. Ooh. By Stacey Willingham. This one's been, this one's newer. Mm-hmm. Came out just January of this year. Wow. Really so brand new. new. Um, it's this been one on is some, on my list. Yeah, it's been on some, you know. It what to watch for in 2022. So I've been had on hold for a little bit, excited to finally get it. The premise of this book is um, there's, there's this girl, her name is Chloe. When she was 12 years old, there were a string of missing girls in her town. And eventually they find their bodies and they connect it to a serial killer. And her father was, accused and later convicted of these murders very devastating and uh, and the stigma that that then gives her is this man's daughter and you know all the things that went along with that and then fast forward 
um, like 15 years, she's moved to a different town. She's got a degree in psychology and she's now has her own practice, therapy practice, and she's single and just, but she's engaged. And it's just kind of about how, where she is now. So you jump ahead and you see where she's at and girls start going missing. Oh no. And they are slightly connected to her, you know, in, in a very long shot way. Right. Okay. But she, because of everything that's happened in her past, just feels desperate about helping these girls and, and stopping anything from happening to them. And she finds herself in a really weird way, kind of tangled in the mess. And as she tries to use the police for support and they do go and, and look into her claims at the beginning, but then kind of start to say, stay out of this, mm-hmm. like, let us do our job. And she can't. Okay. She continues to go down this road. And so you follow her throughout this book as she tries to solve the mystery of these new missing girls and how they connect to the story of these previous, previous missing, missing girls. girls. Yes. Ooh. It is super fun. I mean, it's definitely twisty. Lots of topsy-turvy things. I would say I kind of saw the twist before, you know, we got mm-hmm. there. Like, saw how that was going to happen. I think I gave it three stars. I did like it. It's a flicker in um, a flicker in the dark. Okay. Three stars. I would say my only beef was the character was kind of a dummy. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Like, she just kind of was like, what's staring her right in the face? She never saw it. She kept doing things that were put herself in danger. Like, right. I don't know why. Like, walk do down that. the dark alley by yourself I'm after gonna the go, criminal. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go visit this person and not tell anyone where I am. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Right. Why is that a good idea? I think any normal person. So that would right. be my only hang up. But definitely like a fun, easy, twisty thriller. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Flicker in the dark. Fun, fun. Okay. Here comes my author crush, Taylor Jenkins Reid. I've had this book on my list for a really long time, but there hasn't been an audio book of it at, at our library Okay. And so I just keep pushing it down like, oh, I'll get that book and I'll read it someday. Too bad there's not an audiobook. But I found that Audible had the audiobook exclusively for Audible. Ooh. So that's why I wasn't able to find it anywhere else. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get this. And so I start listening to it. And before I know, it's over. What? Like, it's an hour and 26 minutes long, I think. Um, it's a 50 page book. Wow. She wrote it in 2018. And so I was just like, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) And so I'm listening and listening and listening. And then it's it's over, over just as I'm like, Oh, Oh, but it's, it's a super fun read, super quick, easy hour and a half, 50 page reader. You'll get through it really quick. Um, and really, and Taylor Jenkins read and Taylor Jenkins read. And you know how she creates her characters like these people you just become attached to really quick she just has such good character development and what was really fun after having read all of her other books she references like mick reva in this she references daisy jones in the six like oh we were listening to music 
like Daisy Jones and the Six, and and then she throws in some others there too. But she throws it like if you've read her books, you know where she's throwing in little Easter oh, eggs of her fun. previous characters. So that that was really fun. She mentions both of those characters um, from her previous stories. But so this is done in um, letter form. I know there's a word for that. Fun. Epithel. I don't remember. I now. don't know. There's a word for it, and I don't remember it right now. I didn't even on the know there was tongue. a word for it. Epithel. I can't. Maybe I could say it, but for uh, some... So it's like a book in letters? In like, letter form. Yeah. You're just reading the letters back, back and, and forth. forth. Yes. So um, evidence of the affair. It starts out with a letter from a wife to the husband of the woman that she discovers her husband is having an affair with. So she writes a letter to the um, epistolary. That's Thank the kind you. Of book it is. It's an epistolary. Sorry, not to interrupt. <laughs> Perfect. So the wife finds out her husband's having an affair. She's found these letters from the mistress to her husband, and so she discovers this, and she decides she looks up this lady that he's having the affair with and finds where she lives and who her husband is, finds out she has a husband. So she's cheating on her husband. And so she decides to write a letter to the mistress's husband to let him know. And she's got these letters. If he's interested in reading them, she wouldn't put him through that if he doesn't you know, want to see it. But if he wants them, she can send him copies of the letters. Just thought it, it, you would want to know what's been going on what our spouses have been doing. So it's the correspondence between these two. How do you word that? The, the cheated on spouses. Yes. Are corresponding about being cheated on. Oh, and, and then it includes the letters that she's found that her husband has received. And then he finds letters that his wife has received from her. And he shares them back with her. And it kind of just goes back and forth about how they're processing, what their marriages were like, um, what they're like now, how they're feeling about being cheated on and, you know, how low they're feeling and how they're giving each other support through a very similar situation. Wow. Quick, to the point, but yet deep. Like, I feel very invested wow in what you know the affair did to their marriages and where they are now and where it leads them i gave it and four stars it and then it's over yeah it just gets right in to the wow. point and then gets right out it's yeah and so it's over a short amount of time because it's giving you the dates on each letter and um i think less than a year maybe just about a year of correspondence between these two and um wow. If they like, would they leave their spouses? Are they going to even approach their spouses that they know? Because can they even, you know, the one couple has children and he can't imagine not living with his boys. And so he doesn't, he's like, I think I would just deal with this because I don't want to live in a separate place than my boys. I don't want to be sitting in a different row than them at my oldest son's graduation. I don't, I mean, it goes into all the things of, that you have to think about. I'm being cheated on, but I'll just stay and not say anything because do I really want that? That life doesn't sound good to not be 
with my family and the, you know, oh. and those things. So it's a very interesting look of a very human look, which I think is what she, she does, does so well. Oh, she really just does. that everyday life wow. like, that we can all really relate to. Oh. Anyway, I Taylor Jenkins read. Still love all you. Right. Four stars for evidence of the affair. So cool. Excellent. Okay. All right. My next one is Crossroads by Jonathan Franzen. Hmm. This one, I'll give you a little bit of facts about it. It's a 25-hour book. Whoa. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. Um, it came out in October of last year. Okay. Fairly new. 600, well, almost 600 yeah. pages. It's a doozy. It's a long one. Um, I've heard this one being talked about. It's It has been rated over 20,000 times, over 21,000 times, and has a 4.17 rating. Okay? Wow. So I was like, 4. wow. 4. One seven. Oh, I thought you said seven one, and I was like, four four point one seven is still good. Yeah, very good. Over four stars, you know, average rating. Yeah. Um, it's like an American novel. I don't know what else to describe it. I the picture on the cover is of some you know young people sitting under a tree, playing the guitar, and like looks like it they're looks like kind of seventies ish. Yeah, like and it does. Good. It takes place in the seventies. Okay. So I just, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this. Okay. Um, The story follows this family who the father is a preacher. The mother is the preacher's wife. They have four children. And um, it just kind of, they all have their own individual life experiences. So you're kind of getting background on mom and dad. What is happening with each kid, like outside of the home. Um. The their oldest son is in college. Then -hmm. their oldest two. Then the next two are in high school, and then they have a younger son. And they, you just kind of you are watching this family, and they aren't in a good place. Um, There's a the church that that they belong to has a youth group called Crossroads, which is where the title of the book comes from. It's there the Crossroads kind of. Ties them all together. It intersects each, you know, they intersect each other more at crossroads than they do like at home. At home. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's very interesting. The, the preacher has his eye on a parishioner who is a woman who he's interested in becoming involved with. And you watch his inner dialogue with that. Mm-hmm. The wife feels neglected and like purposeless and remembers her life before meeting her husband and feels like, Oh, that's when I was really happy and try and considers like maybe I need to reconnecting with a previous life. Um, Just so many things happening here. I mean, it's a long book and it goes into very great detail. I think that's my biggest complaint is you could have told this story in half the pages. Without so Because much. there's just like, I don't know why I need to know such great detail about the car that they're driving in and okay. the color of the grass. And I mean, just, I mean, yes, you can give detail, but I feel like I don't know what you're you trying to detail prove. Of, it doesn't need to be a portrait every scene of the book. Every moment. Yes. Okay. And it was so, I will say like, I, I wanted to make sure I understood all the characters. So I started out at about 1.25, which isn't, which is on the slower end for me. Mm-hmm. For me, I know everyone listens at a different rate. But 
by the end of this book, I was at 1.75. Holy cow. Which yeah. is incredibly fast. That's, I yeah. never I listen. usually don't go over 1.5. Never. Um, but I'm usually at about 1.3. I'd say yeah, average. Yeah, I would say average I'm like 1.35. So for me, that was, but I could still follow. You like that's following. how slow it was read. Okay. So I was still following. I could understand everything to the point of like exhaustion. I did not love these characters. Okay. I did not love the choices that they made. I didn't love... I mean, it, I was where it was brought at the end. It was fascinating. And then it, it felt more like, okay, I understood where they were and why they got there and, and the choices that they made, which was surprising. Mm-hmm. But I liked that part. But guess what happened at the end? What? I realized it is a trilogy. Oh. Did what? it leave you on a cliffhanger then? Or like just yes. didn't come to an end? No, it did not come to an oh. end. I mean, it came to a 25 hour a little book bit. that's. Oh my a gosh. I gave it two stars. I was that oh, disappointed. Wow. When so, you take someone for 25 hours, hours and then you leave them hanging, number one, and there's no really redeeming yeah. points in the whole book. In the whole book, it wasn't like any of the characters ever were their best selves. They were always their worst selves. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what did I, I just gave 25 hours to this. To Yeah, no, you, you just ripped me off oh. is how I felt about it. So now, so obviously I am the minority. Some people felt some like people they were just it. really loved it. And so most people loved it. And so know that I am the minority, but I will throw my minority Two cents into yeah. the pot. Two stars for Crossroads by Jonathan Franzen for me. So are you even going to try to read the second one to see if so it this like... This is the frustrating Is thing. the second one 25 hours as well? I don't know because this is Because you're like, I have release. zero interest. Oh, so it hasn't come out yet. It hasn't come out yet. Ah. So it says, which maybe I should have paid closer, closer attention, but it says, a key to all mythologies, number one. So maybe there's more than even three. I don't know what the plan is for this. Holy Most moly. are trilogies. But yeah. I I want someone else to read it and just give me a quick synopsis because I don't need that to understand this story. Yeah. What I just went through. <laughs> 25 hours worth. It just was like, uh, I felt, yeah, I felt robbed. I'm but sorry. I, I didn't quit. I stayed with it. And now I will tell you my experience so you can decide for yourself if you okay want to go down that road well, it doesn't sound like it to me 25 hours <laughs> i kind of already well if it's go, your kind it of a story really i don't good. know like i mean i guess if you want to see like the depths of human thought and choices like the word when you make the worst choices mm-hmm. if you like that if you're into that i'm not okay <laughs> okay Oh. So there's you, there you go. There's okay. one, in my opinion, not to read. If you want to okay. hear, what is it? The short version? What is that a called? Cliff notes. cliff notes. You call me and yeah. I'll tell them to you. An abridged version. Mm-hmm. I'll Please. save you 25 hours. Okay. <laughs> All right. For my next one, I read The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. We discussed this one. Well, I have it. Do you have it? Have you listened to it? No. No. But you have it on your list? Yeah, I think I have it. I think it's come through. Oh, no, it's still on hold. I have it on hold. So this one came out 2021 November. So just Mm -hmm. barely. It's brand, brand new. Um, 14,000 ratings, 4.1 star reviews. Lots of good reviews. Um, It is a pandemic book. 
Um, so, like, it happened in the pandemic or it is about the pandemic? No, it happened. It has the pandemic in it. So, okay. it is the start. So, the pandemic doesn't even, you get really into these people's lives. And then the pandemic hits. So, this is okay. their lives, their experience. And now we've gone into pandemic. So, it's not about the pandemic. It's about their lives, mm-hmm. but it does move their lives into, are affected, by- are affected by the pandemic. Okay. Um, and so it is, it takes place in Minnesota and it, it is about a native American indigenous group that lives in that area. Specifically one woman, Tookie is her name. And it's just her, her life experiences, what she's been through. She, was sentenced to an extremely long prison sentence for for her crime. Um, she did get out earlier than what her prison sentence was. It kind of um, talks about her childhood and not having the support of parents that were needed, what was happening on the reservations and how they were treated and how their police system was. And, and when... I don't know a lot about um, indigenous lives. Right. I don't. And right, I don't. I I would like to know more. And so I've read some books lately that have enriched my understanding of their experiences, but I am fully aware that I need to understand more. Right. So I'm coming from a place of ignorance here and very little this is not a familiar setting for me to read about either so there's a very unfamiliar side of it being an indigenous group in this area and so some of that was there was some background knowledge i didn't know like they would throw out a terminology or some kind of a celebration and i it didn't go into the specifics of it and i don't have that background so that was a little that was difficult for me to follow i okay. have a lot to learn there but then the familiar side of it is um, where this is a woman and her experiences in the world as a female. I can definitely relate to that. Um, she works in a bookstore. Ah, and so she's talking about the power of words, the power of a sentence, what they mean, how they, how books heal. So that is my language. And I can very much relate to her on that level. So putting those two together, it's her life. And then halfway through the book, the pandemic hits. And so she's she's married. She, her husband has a daughter from a previous relationship that comes has been away for a while and comes back in. And they're just readjusting and just the struggles of daily life. And then the pandemic hits. And so it talks a lot about how it affects the bookstore. Um, what the differences it makes in their day-to-day life. And then um, the Black Lives Matter. We have the um, Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd, thank you. Mm -hmm. George Floyd Floyd murder and the riots that pursue because they're right there. This is where it's at. This is where it's taking place. It's hitting – I mean, it hit the country hard, that – Oh, yeah. Um, It hit, I mean, we're here in Utah, and we have riots downtown, and it was scary, and there were curfews put in place um, everywhere, but it kind of goes into, I kind of, not that I've forgotten, 
But it almost seems like that year, that first year of the pandemic, all just kind of molds into oh, one yeah. big blur. It was there a were, mess. Like we had earthquakes here. We oh had gosh. the Black Lives Matter and rioting and George Floyd death and wearing masks, not wearing masks. It just seems like there was so much at once that it was, it's very blurred. And so reading it as an outsider and seeing how like they feel so the daughter feels so inclined to go and protest because this isn't just black lives matter, but they as indigenous people, as people of darker color is how they refer to it, have felt this, for years and years and years, and they've got to stand up for each other. They've got to go unify and show that this is not okay. And so she's going in and part of the friendly protests that unfortunately become unfriendly. And they're talking about the police and the rioting and their viewpoint of the inhuman inhumane things they see going on. And it, it was awful. It's awful. At the time, it was awful at the time. It's awful to read about now. Oh, I bet. And the whole thing is just to, to step back and read from another point of view is very interesting. Okay. Um, so even though it is very slow, when you talk about speeding up, I wanted to speed it up. But yet there when they were, I was worried, like they would mention things. And I'm like, ooh, was that just a reference to something I don't know? Or did I miss something? Oh. So I kept it really slow, but she does. The audiobook is very slow. It's a very methodical, just her thoughts uh-huh. stringing out are very slow on the page. It's a very mm-hmm. slow read, but I also was trying to keep track of all of those things and try to make sense of the things I didn't know in it. So yeah. I kept it at a slower speed. So okay. um, it did take me a little bit longer to finish this book than most books. I gave it four stars. It's powerful, interesting, um, and again, a viewpoint that I don't have. And so, I always really appreciate that in a book. Oh, me too. That's awesome. I'm excited for it to come available for me. And to hear what you think. Yeah. Very unique. Very outside of um, a a norm for me. And, yeah. All right. My last book today is No Cure for Being Human by Kate Bowler. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's it's longer than that. No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear. Okay. So Kate Bowler, I didn't know her. She, this is not her first book. She's written a lot of books, but I didn't know that. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, lots and lots. Oh, like, and so I've very seen this books. book on lists, but I'm not familiar with her. Yeah, either. she is. Um, this is kind of. Um, I mean, it's not a memoir. It's not about her whole life, but it is about one experience in her life. She was diagnosed um, at a young age with a very like colon cancer, like a very progressive, okay. like stage four colon cancer. Which is not typical at a young age. No. Okay. You know, she kind of teases about it that it's like an old man's disease. Mm-hmm. And she was much too young and it was very severe and it went after her hard. And she was in the pro she has one little she had one little boy. She's married. She's in the process of getting her um 
I don't even know these academic words. She wants, she's a professor at Duke and she wants to get like 10, it's not tenured, but you have 10 years. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know the words, but you have like 10 years to be published and to have your publication be approved to then allow you freedom to do whatever you want. want. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's in the midst of writing that to getting published okay. and to getting that done so that she can gain that um, security. That status of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in the midst of her doing this, she's battling stage four cancer. And so she oh has to gosh. ask herself all of these questions like, is it worth it to finish if it means I'm going to die? Right. Is that Do where I, I give my time? Put all my time and effort into this. But the, it's not like the time frame changes. It's not like she can press pause while she figures out her cancer and then come back to it and continue. It's like, oh no, no. So you got to choose. Yeah. And um, she's also battling cancer and all the things she gets in a study. Anyway, so you watch her. She's she's looking back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she just, FYI, she, she wins cancer. Good for her. Right. Yeah. That's not a surprise because this was you know, about seven or eight years ago, and she's looking back and she's like not given a great prognosis, but she just talks about that experience of like she was put in a trial and then trying to, you know, navigating her um, treatment and coming out of it. And what does life mean afterwards? And, and ultimately like everyone's going to die. Like she just was given a different, it changed her outlook about the way that she frames her time and spending how she spends her time and what's important the value the way she put the value on things and the reality of like we don't know we she maybe was told like given Mm -hmm. an idea of when she's going to die um but we maybe don't get that heads up it still doesn't mean we have forever right and it's it's just really interesting and um, yeah, she has this really interesting way. She sets like goals for you know, like okay, I just want to be forty. I just want to turn forty. Mind you, she's forty-one today, so she made it to forty. Yeah. But in the book, this is a couple of years ago. She hadn't quite gotten there. But that's like how she starts looking at things. Like I just want to do this. I just want to do this. If I can just do this, and kind of baby steps her way. And it's a really cool way of looking about looking at the way we do things and why we do things and how to measure value and. It was just really good. It's an easy read. It It's just a lot. It brings out your humanity, right? Like having to look at life through a terminal patient's yeah. eyes. And she does it in such a easy way to understand without sit- making you feel like so guilty that you're alive. Right. Do you know what I that, mean? Yeah. Like you don't sit and go like, gosh, like I, my time is, I'm wasting my time. I have all the time in the world and I just waste it, you know, and she's, it's not like that at all. Like she talks about how it was important to her to continue um, becoming published because that to her was value in herself and value she was putting Mm -hmm. into the world. Even if she didn't finish, even if she died after she finished or soon after she finished, it was still value for her and value to that. She felt like she was leaving in the world and then still, she didn't feel like she was taking away from her son. And she, so in the time that she gave to her son and the time, anyway, it was so interesting the way that she frames it and, and the things that people say to you when it takes away her, it took away her humanity. All that she was now was this terminal patient. Right. She was not anything else other than yeah. someone who was about to die. I started a book today that starts out talking about the word terminal. Oh. And it was like, 
It's a tough one. Yeah, like the depth of it and that they now refer to it as life. Um, not sustainable. I don't, anyway. It's just so funny phrase. that there's yes. becoming different phrases for terminal. Right. And the inhumanity of saying terminal. Like, yeah. Yeah. For Interesting real, that that's. And the other thing that she brought up, and she doesn't like harp on it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't spend a lot of time there, but it stuck with me was that she was, she was in this drug trial and, she, and, and it was a really bad experience, like having to like go through yeah. this drug trial. And when she was finished with the trial and she went to, back to her doctor, cause they had to like get all of this money to be in this trial, her church, her community, her loved ones were all like taking second mortgages out of their home to help her pay. Cause she had to fly to a place yeah. and get this treatment. And it was very expensive. And after it was six months long. And when she went back to her doctor, he was like, well, I would have done this. Like I could have done this for you. It was a pill instead of like, anyway, it was crazy what she had to do. And she was like, I realized like she'd, they wouldn't even give her the results because it was a trial. Because it was a trial. And it was like, I was used as a guinea pig. Yeah. I was no longer viewed as a human person, as an individual. I paid to be used as a guinea pig. Yeah. Without even knowing they, and they would, whether it was working or not working, you know, her arms were going numb, her, all these things. She had these awful side effects, but it didn't oh. matter because they were just watching her. She wasn't being treated by a doctor. She was being treated was, by a scientist. She was being watched. So her doctor's sitting here going like, well, we would have been adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. And he was like, but we had to give the trial a fair shot. Yeah. And she oh was like, gosh. what? You put me at you, risk. Uh, yeah. If that wasn't in my... Oh, it's so hard because we do need we drug need trials. It. We need That's it how to we save progress. future people. But these yes. are pioneers. The pioneers are the ones the that we're killing. For future treatments. Or we're letting die. They're, yeah, they're Anyway, sacrificing. she talks a little bit about people who go through trials and the drug trials and yeah. and what what that really actually means. Like we need to be very honest about what that means what that for means. the people going into it. And and. They maybe deserve a little it's bit more care. than what they're it's being a trial. given. Yeah. And if you have to pay for it yourself, it really seems stuck like with since me. it's a trial and we don't know how that you, you shouldn't should have to pay for, for free. it. Yeah. yeah. No, they, it was crazy. Anyway, that uh, one really seemed interesting. Me. I, I loved it so much. I gave it five stars. I, there Ooh, was just lots fantastic. of little nuggets and yeah. I'm just dipping here and there, but her thoughts and her, you know, retrospect and looking at this experience and, I mean, she's still not going to live a what we would consider a long life. Right. It's it's shortened it her life. But absolutely. She's... But she made it past what they anticipated for her. And anyway, I I just I thought it was so good. I absolutely think everyone would enjoy it. It's there's something in there for everyone. It's called No Cure for Being Human. Um, by Kate Bowler. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. What a great way to end your list. Yes. Um, to end my list today is another um, epistolary novel. Now that I've got that term down, I read Ooh, two look at that. Um, this week. And I knew this one was short because I actually read it in book form. So this this book is called Address Unknown by Catherine Cressman Taylor. This was a gift and a recommendation by my brother-in-law. So my brother-in-law lives in Houston. He sent this to me, highly recommended it, said it's one of the best books he's read. And so... I had made a goal to get it read this weekend. It was going to be just a short, quick read. And then I picked, and then I got the Taylor Jenkins read um, audiobook and started it right after this one and then finished it 
an hour and a half later. So I finished two books in one day without even knowing. This one is really, really short. I don't even know how many pages it is, but um, oh, 64 pages. I read it in just over an hour. All right. And it is letter format. This book came out in 1938. Its original publishing was in 1938. And it was originally published under the name of Cressman Taylor. Because she is a woman. And the publisher at the time didn't think she'd be taken seriously if people knew she was a woman. So Address Unknown by Cressman Taylor. And then all of her books she's read, she's written since then came out with the same name to keep it homogenous, to keep her the same. So it wasn't until later on in life, I think 2000, when they re-released this, it was in the 2000s, 2001, 2001, that they put her full name on it and came out as this is who she was. She was a woman author. I love it. Um, But this book is letters back and forth between, and they're fictional letters, but it's, 1938, um, there are two partners in San Francisco who have an art gallery. And um, they are not Americans. They are here after World War I is kind of what it's leading to the belief uh, that because of all the unsurety after World War I, and so they've come here. But now the one... The one partner decides he's moving back to Germany and he can keep the business going from Germany with this partner who's still in San Francisco. So it starts out there. The one partner has moved his family back to Germany and they're sending some letters back and they're very fond of each other. Their lives have been very intertwined. They've become successful art dealers in San Francisco and their families knew each other and they had dinners together. And it's just very sweet correspondence at first. And then it starts into World War. Like, it's just it's to hear like, now that he's gone back to Germany, he is living the posh life because he's made his money in America. And the people in Germany are still very are, they're just getting back their lives back together and making money. And so he has bought this house with 10 bedrooms, and he's hired some servants and they've had this political person over and we've ordered drapes and we ordered this huge bed that we had to custom make sheets for like life here is grand because they are just coming from America. Okay. And then they start the friend in San Francisco starts hearing in America, these rumors of Hitler and what's going on. And so he starts including that into his letters and back and forth of, you know, the, the, the friend in Germany is like, oh, yeah, that, you know, they're making it sound scary, but really, it's not he has good intentions and just what they what he's been fed. And you see the German friend kind of turn as it goes on. Oh. And um, so interesting. Okay. So interesting to see it's fictional, but the power of words that words can be used as a weapon. Yeah. And how quickly point of views change and how it affects their relationship and okay. and ultimately this this book was a instant success in America because 
it was it was published at first in I believe a magazine or some kind of a publication. It then came out in novel form after, like a year after. But it was one of the first glimpses and like alerting the American people, like they were hearing what was going on. But this fictional correspondence of someone in Germany giving back information was like kind of alerting them to maybe what was what they were hearing here. And if they had had a friend in Germany, what Germans were hearing over there and really opening the Americans' eyes to what was going on. Oh, my goodness. It's very, very good. Very impactful. Very short. Cool. It really packs a punch. Okay. I am grateful for the gift of books. I love it when somebody recommends a book to me and spot on. It is I gave it five stars. Awesome. Very impactful. And I love the history of the book and the author and that it's being written by a woman right at the verge of World War II. What a unique idea. Absolutely. Very Very cool. Very cool book. Yeah. Awesome. There's a good quick read. Go grab it. Yeah. Couple I'm quick excited ones for you. about it. Those of you who don't have enough time to read or invest in reading, your lives are busy and we get it. We've been in different parts Stages, of our lives and yes. I know we read a lot, but there's two books for you that are super quick. Yes. Pack a punch and are, are worth the hour, hour and a half, whether you read or listen. Um, I love it. I think you could be able to fit those in. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're good ones. So they'd be worth it. They're worth your time. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening today. Yeah. Um, well, you, next week, book club. Absolutely. So get reading. You've got a week to finish up that book and join us next week for Bewilderment. Absolutely. And in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us at thisisyourbookclubpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Rate, subscribe, please share with your friends. We'd love it. Thank you to Amphibious Zoo for our music. And we'll see you next time. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jamie. And And this this is your book book club. club.